What's up, y'all? This is Tony Powell, and you're listening to Powell to the People, the podcast, episode 163. Once again, the finest cast in the whole podcasting universe is reconvened. When I want to know what's going on with New York City transit, there's no expert I trust more than my cousin, Mr. Keith Powell. What's going on, Keith? Man, I'm good. How y'all guys feeling? And when I want to talk local TV news, there's nobody I trust more than my favorite director, who happens to be my favorite brother, Mr. Mark Powell, in the house. What's going on, Mark? What's up, fam? What's up, world? And when I want to talk New York City real estate, there's no expert I trust more than the man we call Mr. Eddie Kane Jr. The world knows him as Derek Powell. He's my cousin. What's going on, DP? Everything is good. Always good to be in the cypher with the cats. How y'all doing? Uh, we are fine. We are well. Um, you know, it. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're in in November and, and things are looking not up, not down, just kind of sideways. And, and, and it's funny because last week, and I'm going to jump right into it, last week, um, I asked the question, where is Kamala Harris? And we started talking about, uh, you know, what the job of the vice president is and, and you, know, you know, she's not supposed to outshine the president. Well, that's definitely, definitely true in this particular case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because today, like some of these polls came out, you know, they, they're polling now and, and Biden is, you know, he's uh, kind of underwater from where he was just Literally, uh, you know, uh, just about a year ago, he's kind of underwater now. It's the first year in, and things are are, you know, kind of a mess. But he's cleaning up the mess, and this is what happens to, to Democratic presidents on a regular basis. After eight years of Republicans fucking it all up, a Democrat, in this case, only four years, but it, it seemed like twelve with Trump. Uh, <laughs> You know, with all the damage he did to not only the country, but to the institutions of the country, to the the uh, social norms of the country, to 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 divide the country. And then Biden comes in and now he has to try to clean that up. And 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 what seems like overnight, like he's uh, Mr. Clean and he's supposed to just come in there with a mop and and a, and a gold earring in his ear and make it all happen. And that's not the case. And so people are starting to freak out and panic. And, and we had an election last week where, where Democrats are now, you know, clutching their pearls because a Republican won the governorship down in uh, Virginia. Uh, Terry McCullough did not win. Uh, Youngkin won. A uh, guy who, you know, was obviously a big Trump fan, but made sure to keep Trump at, at arm's length uh, prior to the election. And people went out and voted. And and I got to tell tell. Our people, people that listen to us, uh, people out there in Colorado, by the way, Colorado is a huge fan of wow. the people. So shout out to, to all the folks out there in Colorado, out there in uh, Denver and, and Colorado Springs and Boulder. Big, big shout out to y'all. Um, here, let me just say this to the, to the country at large, because we're international too, but to, to America. Elections don't work like the Olympics. It's not a thing that you have to get excited about once every four years. Elections happen every single year, every year, second, the same time too. second, uh, first, first Tuesday in November, there's an election for something. It could be dog catcher next year. It could be city council. It could be mayor in your town. It could be uh, police sheriff or or police chief. Uh, All of those, those elections matter. School board president, all judges. All of these local elections matter, and you have to get out there and vote 
in them if you really want to see change. You can't come every four years and then let any progress you made on the fourth year slip away the very next two years, which is what, you know, Democrats are panicking about now because, you know, the, the, the approval ratings are very, very low and, you know, we're literally a year away from the next election. But so much can happen in a year, as we've seen, uh, you know, anybody that lived through 2019 and then saw 2020 knows good and goddamn well what a difference a year makes. So um, I'm just saying you got to get out there and vote and and Democrats stop acting like little bitches. <laughs> this is to all y'all. Stop acting like little bitches and stop crying and whining and wringing your hands. Uh, Joe Biden, if you want to see your approval ratings go up, I'm going to give you the game plan right now. It's real simple. First thing you do is you grab Chuck Schumer by his collar and you Pimp slap him a couple of times. <laughs> and you tell him that if he does not take away Kristen Cinemas and Joe Manchin's uh, committee assignments by the end of the day, you're going to come down there and beat that ass again. You let him know. Because that's what's killing you. That's what's killing you. The fact that y'all can't seem to get nothing done. And every day the paper is talking about how ineffective you are. Number two. You get your boy in there. I mean, I know you said you wanted to keep your hands off the Justice Department and let the Justice Department, you know, do what the Justice Department does. That's fine. But you send a message over there to Merrick Garland's ass that he's there until he's not there. And you let him know that they don't they don't snatch up Steve Bannon and start rounding up some of these Trump knuckleheads and bringing their asses to Congress to testify. There's going to be some problems. They're going to have to answer to you. <laughs> that's what you do. Then you can pass that voting rights bill that's been sitting there that with, with the Republicans are dying for you not to do anything for because they know full well if you don't do anything, there'll never be another Democrat elected to state or federal office again. You got to get out there and take make sure that them fools get on top of that as well. That's how you can get these approval ratings up because what the, the difference between Democrats and Republicans, Republicans do some heinous shit. But they're not ashamed to do some heinous shit. They just do it out loud in your face and don't back down. Democrats start sitting around, looking around and trying to stick their finger in the air, trying to read the temperature of the room. You can't do that right now. The country's in too bad a shape and democracy is teetering on the edge of oblivion for you to be sitting around, sticking your fingers in the air, waiting to see which way the wind blows. I know you're not that type of dude, but this is what's going on. And that's why the people, even in your team, I would, I would, I would say all of us, we're on your team. We're telling you to make sure that you do this because, again, we need some results. You're right, Anthony. We need to send him a tape of New Jack City. <laughs> so he can see how this really works out. He got to walk around that table and ask questions. If he don't get no answers, he has to make examples of people. Like you're saying, the Democrats have always been soft. They, you know, they they just they whine on one another where Republicans step up and, and and like you said, they don't care. They put it out there and y'all just got to handle it. Right. And that's the only way the Democratic Party will survive. You got to be a little gangster out there. You know, you can't be laughing. Send them cats some gangster movies and, and maybe they'll learn something. Uh, 50 Cent got the black uh, mafia family. You know, he got power. They need to see this stuff, see how this game is really being played, because they're not playing by the rules at all. You're right. I think yeah. I think uh, that we got somebody in there who can get it done. Let let Nancy Pelosi just do what it is she does. 
let her start hollering in there, and I, I think it can move forward. Um, if it doesn't, because remember, we, the Democratic Party is always a party that want to get along, um, thinking about what somebody else going to say, and, you know, we got to, you know, try to be a team. You can't be a team right now, man, because you're losing. And when you're losing, you need a Michael Jordan to step it up and hold it down until Scotty Pippen gets over that goddamn headache, you know, and that's what you got to do, you know, because <laughs> if, if Scotty, you know, if you wait for Scotty to get over the headache, you, you don't get no championships, and that's what he has to do. He has it in him. Um, Schumer is just, you know, he's dancing all over the place. I, I think Nancy can be the one. I think I, I like her I style. I think she can get it done, but, you know, if not – it's it's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good, you know. Derek, I don't see her as Nino Brown. No, no, no. I, she I don't, don't gotta be Nino. I, I, but remember, she went against Trump. I, I think she's got it in her, man. You know, to get a little grass. I don't think she does. Okay, okay. Now, That's my girl. I, well, the the biggest problem is, and it's been the problem from Jump Street. The re, and we all know this. Nobody's faking a funk. The reason that Biden won is because he wasn't Trump. Anybody but him would have won. Right. And the bigger problem with Biden is he. It, What's that? Here's a guy. Who, <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody who's a uh, uh, singletary. When he's had the famous quote, I want winners. I want somebody who wanted the job. Biden didn't want the job. He took it as people kind of pled to him and behind, you know, closed door. Listen, we need an adult in the room. We need somebody else who can act like they got some sense. He wasn't the sharpest candidate, the best candidate of, of the guys running at all, but he was the safest and the most adult in that room. Mm-hmm. But think about it. he's a he's mid 70s or he, he's wait. No, he's, uh, he's, he, I think he's in his he's late, 80s, late right? 70s I think, man. He doesn't I don't I think the problem is with with that job. If you look at it, you have to have somebody who wants the job, who actually wants to do that job versus somebody who's kind of got the job. And here's a history lesson, a brief history lesson. Clearly, Clinton wanted that job because he he's letting anybody throw to get the job. He was all about having this job. He wanted the job, blah, blah, blah. When they tapped um, Bush the second to take the job, they tapped him simply because his name was George Bush. If his name was um, Sam Bush, they wouldn't have got it. So they relied on, once again, the Republicans fall in line, Democrats fall in, in love, relied on name recognition to kind of bring back in. So he took a job that he really didn't want because he was governor of Texas. He was kind of having a good old time. They're like, okay, fine. I guess I'll run. What's the worst going to happen? Oh my gosh, I already became president. Then you had Obama <laughs> who ran, who wanted the job. A younger guy, younger, more virile guy wanted the job. And then here's the ultimate one. The orange man didn't want the job at all. That was never his plan was to become president. All he was trying to do was Race bump up his rate. Yeah, because the, the, the apprentice was sliding ratings. He was trying to bump up his name with NBC so that they will give him more money because as a higher profile. So that's what he was. And not also, he does believe all these things he was saying, but he was saying some outrageous, crazy stuff and thinking, okay, fine, I'll say this and nothing's going to happen. You know, next thing you know, he kept, you know, Oh my gosh, he won like the you know, Eddie Murphy joke from, uh, you know, let's go roll for, uh, for Jesse Jackson. <laughs> and that's what happened. Cause you saw, we've seen the pictures of him election. He, that was never his plan. And he woke, he awoke a dead dormant, um, almost said a bad word. A dead dormant part of the population that 
was like, oh, you know, nobody cares about us. And he spoke to them. But that wasn't his plan to become president. And Biden was sort of the same. He did not want to do this. He does not want to become president. He was perfectly happy just living his life. He'd spend his whole life in that damn town. And he was happy to go off. To, but then you had this, you know, hellfire come through and people kept coming to him saying, you got to do this, you got to do this. But because he felt an obligation versus a want and a need because he was not the sharpest or the best candidate to run. He was just the safest one. So now you get there and you're like, okay, fine. Now I got to, like Anthony said earlier, Trump destroyed so many institutions. Now he's in there and he spent his whole life building some of these institutions and making sure they ran. He's got to repair all this, this house that was damn near torched. And he's spending so much time doing all that. Meanwhile, other things are breaking down around him. He's like in a money pit. So he's, he, I don't think he has the energy to, to keep going to do this. And he didn't have the will the first time around. Yeah, I mean, I, you make a, uh, a great point in terms of, of, of trying to repair all of these broken institutions. And mind you, uh, my, my thought on these institutions is not that they need repairing. They need reform. You yeah, know, yeah. the idea that what, what Trump showed by, by breaking all the norms, he showed how fragile these institutions are because these institutions are built uh, on the idea that the people who would run for these types of offices or would run for our highest offices would be men of good character and goodwill. And then they put in place, you know, mechanisms that if you ever had somebody that was not of good character and goodwill, you would be able to get them out of there. But what they did not anticipate was that you would have people who are so loyal to their party that they would not uh, remove this guy who literally criminal. a criminal who ran a coup. He, he, he made, he had a failed, I got to say this America. He had a failed coup attempt. <laughs> you know, if that should happen somewhere else in the world, we'd be like, wow, you know, they need to lock up this, you know, this right. guy been happening in South America or in Asia somewhere or, 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 or the middle East. They'd be talking, we'd be talking about going out there and, and grabbing them and locking them up and, 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 and making sure that this person never gets near the uh, levers of power. He had a failed coup attempt. And so now you have Biden, and you may be right, Mark, he may not have the energy uh, to 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 do all these things. But I'm sorry, right now, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, uh, and I don't think, and I, I was thinking about this today, uh, to, to your point, I'm not so sure that he's going to run in four years. I think his goal was to just to kind of right the ship and then bounce, which is why I think he, he, he selected Kamala Harris, because maybe he thought that she would be able to to inherit the mantle and move on. And he felt like if he could get elected with her, uh, then that means the country accepted her yeah. and it would be okay with her, you know, uh, being in charge. I agree Apparently, with that. And I think the way he would have done it would have, wouldn't have been, I'm not going to run. It would have been, he would have come up with some Fugazi health thing. Like, listen, my doctor say blah, blah, blah. So that's why I'm not running. Not that way he can kind of soft hand it to her versus saying, I'm not running. What are you going to do? Right. Right. Uh, I, I don't know about Kamala right now. You know, she's like the, the disappearing woman. I, I seen her when um, Biden was giving his speech. You know, she sat sitting, standing there with her hands folded, like an angry black woman, like tapping her feet. Like, yeah, if this motherfucker go down, this shit is on. Hmm. That's the look that she had. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah that, hey, that's hey, happened to him. Y'all gonna see how this game is gonna play out. But then we'll have Dirk up in there with us. But we'd be all right, guys. Dirk will uh, straighten it all out. And, um, big, yeah, whatever, big bro. You, you, you said something that was a little disturbing, and I'm surprised Supervision didn't pick up on it. You said 
stamping her feet like an angry black. No, I heard it. I was, I was, I was. Oh, you gonna get on that? Yes. Dirk, oh, Dirk, okay, okay. He's just recalling his life. That's why he, he's recalling his life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm not sure what that looks like, uh, Big <laughs> well, I mean, can you I know what it looks it? like. Can you describe <laughs> it to the? Uh, I mean, the audience are, is kind of blind to that. What does that mean, actually? Oh, that means shit is about to happen, and you better prepare yourself for it. Okay, 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 okay. Well, actually, okay, allow me to retort. Please do, supervisor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the angry black woman trope is one that has uh, been assigned to black women. Black women are self-actualized, like many Latin women and many women of color who throughout history have been, you know, uh, forced uh, either by circumstance or, or or by situation, to have to step up their games. So um, what what's happened for them is they've had to be more assertive because sometimes a lot of a lot of instances they've been heads of households or they've been uh, given equal roles in the household, so that they've had to step their games up and they have to be more assertive. Whereas white women, who generally speaking, uh, tend to to uh, be in their husband's shadows, so they're they're they're, they're less reluctant to 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 step outside and get the the so called uh, angry anxious nonsense. Now that's changed over time, which is, which is why you're seeing all of these Karens out here. But but traditionally traditionally, uh, the angry black woman is a trope that they've used to kind of disempower. Uh, our sisters. Uh, so let me ask you this. I, I like to like... re-answer that again, cuz. Okay. Right. And I I've got been down too. that road. I have seen this in mm. action. Mm. Oh, I'm sure I have it. visited I've this it. on many a many occasions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, not, he's not recounting like a book he read. He's recounting his <laughs> life story. <laughs> so I can speak, I can see the body language like she's, she's looking and she, you know, she's agreeing with Joe now. Don't get me wrong. But she's saying in her mind, if he goes down, oh, y'all better be prepared because I'm about to bring the raft. I ain't going to be nice about it. Oh, she's going to bring the raft down. Well, let me ask this question, big fella. Yes, sir. Uh, When you've seen these angry black women, were they angry because of something you did? (laughs) (laughs) It could be. I made a little mistakes here and there. You know, I did a little something, something. I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah, I did some things. Okay. Ah, you know, so 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 the anger is justified. Oh yeah. Well, her anger is justified because she's mad at her party because they're not standing up to what they're supposed to be. Um, and I just wanted to to chime in real quickly because you included uh you know other minority uh, uh females. Um, is the hot sauce in the cabinet or the kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the cabinet. Oh, it's in the cabinet. <laughs> I just wanted to know. That's all, man. I'm good, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the cabinet. It's been in the cabinet. I guess her laptop is not working. She won't be able to listen. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I feel that aggression. Okay, cool. All right, I'm good, then. I'm good with all this. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, could, could, could you do me a favor, Dirk? Could you could you get closer to the mic? Okay, oh, I'm sorry, I'm up on it. I apologize, man. Please, oh, my apologies. Like you, like you. I mean, like we, we talking, and I feel like uh, 
you know, you outside the circle. You, you outside the circle oh, of trust. Okay, is this better? You know, I mean, it, I guess it was just the laughter, you know, that I was going through, and I was bouncing back. But I'm on it now. I apologize to our audience. All right, no, no, no. This is just this, this is behind the audience doesn't need to hear our behind the scenes, but this is what it is. Yeah, no, I mean, so yeah, to to your point, Keith. I mean, like, you know, where is Kamala Harris? I mean, you know, Mark said uh, last week in episode 162 that. You know, the good vice presidents, you know, their job is kind of just to, you know, to to not outshine yeah. the president. But in this particular case, uh, Biden is not shining and and Kamala is like a flashlight with no batteries. There's no light <laughs> at all. No, I mean. There's no shine. I, 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 I mean, like, you know, where is Carmen San Diego and where is Kamala Harris? I don't know where they are. Well, she was in the, uh, she was in the Trice area last week. But yeah, I, I think. She, I, didn't this, see, I didn't see even news about her being in the Trice. I, 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 you work in the news. I didn't see it. I do it because I was trying to plan my course out of the city. I was try- My thing is, and I don't care about what president is. If a president's in town, just make sure you don't mess up my community. I don't care where you go. Just don't mess up my community. <laughs> but I think she's in a really, really almost impossible task. You have a president who's doing poorly, ratings-wise, and just in general. In general. So she can't, even she had the best idea in the world, she can't be the one to present it or even give the eye or even give the, the notion that it was her idea because like I said, it would take the way the office of the president and no vice president other than movies does that. So I think she's just kind of sitting there like, you know, doing her standard duties and, and hoping that things come around, but it's just, have we, have we forgotten Dick Cheney? Well, Dick Cheney ran, I mean, Dick Cheney was running, but here's the thing, Dick Cheney, we knew, I guess as a sort of a joke, we knew that he was he had a lot more influence, but you never saw Dick Cheney. He was he was Oz. He was behind the curtain while Bush, uh, I forget what it, Bush the third, whatever the heck he's uh, junior, was out there being present. But Dick Cheney was doing, doing a lot of positive. I saw I, I watched a documentary. I think it's called uh, Gosh, it's on Showtime. Shout out to Showtime. We love Showtime. Um, about Cheney and, and essentially how he was doing that. I mean, people joke around saying, "Oh." Dick Cheney's running off, uh, running the White House. He was pretty much running the White House. That guy had his hands in so many things that no vice president in the history of vice presidents ever had. And Dick, he was the he was the emperor in Star Wars. Is who yeah. he was. And and, and like I said, and it goes back to what I said before. You had a guy who didn't want to do this job. I mean, in by and large, uh, both Bushes weren't bad people. Like Trump's a bad guy. I mean, he's just a bad person. Bush was not a bad person. He just didn't want the job. That wasn't his life to be president of the United States. He was like he was happy, enjoying his life in Texas, living his world. And they kind of drafted him into it. So okay, fine, I guess. And then and then dra- and once again, falling in line. The, the classic line: Republicans fall in line. And then drafted him into it. They said, okay, fine. We use you for name recognition because most people don't know who the hell's on the ballot anyway. So they'll go, yeah, I know that name and vote for that person. And then by that same thing, they set up his office that way. They gave him Cheney and all these people that. And Rumsfeld, all these people that he didn't have any kind of ties well, to. No, they were all, they were all right, that's why all those people. And the, sort of, and, they, and that's why they kind of controlled that presidency. And he was perfectly okay fine to kind of go along with it. But he didn't want the gig. That was sort of the same playbook that they did with the last uh, orange guy. We'll, we'll let, you know, he'll get in, you know. Remember, because prior to him getting in office, all those guys are talking mad crazy stuff. Remember, uh, not Cheney, what's that boy's name? The turtle. Uh, Mitch, uh, McConnell, McConnell. McConnell. And uh, uh, Graham was talking crazy stuff. Oh, he's not going to do this, he's not going to do that. And they thought they could control him. That's why they put Rance, Rance Priebus Rance as Priebus, his uh, yeah. 
chief of staff, thinking he could control this this maniac. And Rince got in like, I can't control this. That's why. So the the, the O'Bannons of the world and that little evil Stephen Miller were there to kind of keep him on, keep him being tr- Trump on the path of their craziness. But McConnell and Graham and Priebus and those people thought they could control this madman. They realized he's uncontrollable. I can't control this. We have we have created the monster, and now Frankenstein is, is you know stepping off people's houses. And that was sort of the thing that they didn't anticipate. So when the insurrection happened and the attempt to coup happened, that's when you saw Graham sitting on the, on the floor screaming, "I'm out! I'm out!" Remember the quote, "I'm out! I'm out!" And McConnell finally getting a set and saying, "Okay, fine, this is ridiculous." They finally thought, "Okay, fine, we are finally." rid of this guy and then he kept coming he kept he's staying back and he's staying in there yeah no i mean I, I, you know all of these things i mean that's a that's a uh, a pretty good uh analysis in terms of of, of uh, the idea behind presidents the reluctant presidents what really really is what it comes down to the reluctant president but kamala harris we mentioned dick cheney kamala harris has a lower approval rating than dick cheney yeah. Mike Pence, Al Gore. How are you lower than Dick Cheney or Mike Pence who had the fly on his head? How are you lower than that dude? And 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 in my opinion, it's because nobody is seeing what it is that she's bringing to the table. Nobody is seeing anything that she has done that made the lives of America Americans easy as of today. We don't nobody we don't know where she's at. Nobody knows what she's doing. And, you know, I understand, you know, she wants to play her position, but right now your man is, he's drowning. You got to step up and show the world, I deserve this job and I'm going to hold it down until, you know, he can write this shit. But right now she's definitely missing in action. And I'm tempted to say, maybe she's trying to disconnect herself from Joe B, but you can't, you guys are in this together. You got to step in and help him out. You got to do something to help the American people. And right now we just can't find her. Well, Derek, maybe you should talk to her, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and put it out there. You know, baby, you need to step your game up for us. Man, right now, between me, the, the country, you know, it's just, it's a it's bad timing, man. I'm, I'm a handful. I'm not no easy thing, you know, no easy person to control. You think Trump you can't control? Damn it, you can't control me. <laughs> so she's, she's dealing with my thing and, you know, why I can't get there. And she's trying to run, you know, the millions of people, man. Love, man, is a mini splendid thing, man. She got a tough choice she got to make, but I get so, along with it. Hey, Anthony, so y'all been in Monaco, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, I'm surprised y'all didn't see the mayor over there. <laughs> hey, hey, don't put that out there just yet. He's not, he's it's just, hey, hey, just did, did your new mayor change his uh, license plate yet from New Jersey to New York? <laughs> yeah, he, got, he got to go to motor vehicle and fill out that paperwork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why y'all don't believe my man lives in Brooklyn. He already went through this. He's in Brooklyn. I don't, I don't believe it because I see him coming through the Easy Pass through the tolls every day. You know, all you got to do is stand outside the Holland Tunnel. You see him come through. His woman lives in Jersey. That's all it is, people. You know, he he's in Brooklyn. Thank you. Man. There's room in the mansion. Messing up. He got a, he, did he say he got a brownstone? He's got a, more, he's more got than a, one room in the brownstone. He's got a place. Well, you know, she's over there. She doesn't want to give up her little condo situation. She ain't got to give it up. You know, so where he gonna see her? He go over there to see her. That's where she cooks and cleans at. You know, he goes over there and he gets his meals and stuff. Gets his clothes washed. Thank you. Pays his taxes. Yes, he pays his taxes in New York. Over there in New York. Thank you. 
Pay taxes in two states. Congratulations <laughs> to Mary Leck, Eric Adams, being that they don't want to say it. I'll say it for you, E man. Welcome aboard, man. See you January two. We know it's gonna be popping. We're gonna be popping bottles. Much That's love. Right. To January you. two. Much love. Enjoy that year. <laughs> <laughs> the haters. Oh, we're not. We're not inviting you to the party. Okay. I, I, you know, I ain't go. I told you I wasn't going anyway because I'm not trying to be in nobody's FBI sting footage. I, you oh, won't see me there. It's gonna be a nice situation. I'll tell you how it was. No, I'm not gonna be in no episode of Narcos. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn, you hurt my boy. He didn't even get an office yet. Damn, he may not get in there. Once uh, <laughs> the indictment drops. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. That's why it's not until he's in office for the party to start. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Well, uh, your, your, your alma mater is in, in the news. Ooh, Mark, we talked boy. about it in 162, Ooh. episode 162. Ooh. And uh, Bison still got problems. I mean, the Bisons are actually, uh, you know, I guess in trouble. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they on the rampage. They stampede. Yeah. Um, well, this goes back to what I, what I like saying or what I've said before. What were we talking about last? Actually, the last episode. Right. I don't care what the truth is. Just tell me the truth. I don't care. Like you know, that's the problem with a lot of things. People don't want to pull back the curtain. And right now, Howard is struggling with with the with the image of the dormitory situation in particular. That's the thing that's killing him right now. When these kids are saying, "Listen, we can't have this institution be praised and this and everything else, and say we're the greatest, which we are," and not acknowledge the fact that. The dormitory situation there is horrific. Um, mm. It was bad when I was there. There was not one dorm, maybe one dorm, that was like, okay, this is the spot to be. It was these problems there. And I guess over the years, things have built up. And now that you got a spotlight, people are saying, listen, yeah, yeah, you guys are screaming and hollering and praising the fact that the vice president or the Howard grad and blah, blah, blah. But this is what's going on at Howard. And you guys need to take knowledge of that. And to that point, Debbie Allen uh, and Felicia Rashado on campus. Gosh, I'm not sure what. Dave and for, for, the, for the people who don't know who Debbie Allen and Felicia Rashad, Felicia Rashad played the wife on the Cosby Show, and and Debbie Allen played the dance instructor on the TV series Fame. Yeah, and uh, also married to uh, Norm, Nixon. Norm, Nixon. Norm Nixon. Yeah, she was also uh, directed almost a ton of uh, different worlds. At, and she's right, TV shows. Yeah, yeah so she's she a famous director is and choreographer. Great. She's, yeah, she's and she's great. truthful, and she does not take kindly to fools so they caught caught them coming i guess they were on campus for some whatever and there's a bite in which uh i guess that the, the students were interviewing saying listen hey you know how do you feel and debbie was saying she's the youngest sister of felicia saying she's the youngest sister of felicia's older sister and felicia's now on on the board at uh, howard i think school of uh of uh, uh fine arts which is now the Charles bozeman school of fine right. arts and they asked debbie you know basically uh how she feels and debbie pretty much said paraphrasing she's rocking with the students that's how she's gonna go felicia remember she's a she's a now a politician but you know essentially administrator an employee. yeah employee yes um had a softer tone and i guess one of the questions was asked well you know um are the students still sort of involved in some of these decision making because we got a, actually i got an email from the uh school saying listen you know just so you know what's going on we are basically handling the situation we are trying to make our everybody uh for lack of a better word, um, feel involved and we are taking advice from blah, 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 blah. And when the students ask or a reporter asks, you know, listen, 
heck, uh, are the students involved? Are the students part of this decision-making of these new changes? Because that's the worst thing in the world is that students protest and say this, administrators say, yeah, he, and then they go back in their own room and make their own decisions without the students being like, listen, why we, we're trying to tell you what's wrong. I mean, you can't make this decision and correct this problem without us telling you what's wrong. So Felicia, uh, they asked Debbie and Debbie asked Felicia, like, yeah, the students, are the students involved? And that's when Felicia kind of shut down, like, hey, hey, we'll talk about this later. And you know for a fact, when those two women got through that door, things were like, "Do you don't you ever again do that to me?" And spun right back to the other one saying, "Don't you ever do that to me again?" So right now, Howard's in a little issue right now. If the okay. if the uh, if our audience could have only saw the the body language of uh, Felicia Rashad looking at her sister like. This bitch trying to take my job, man. You don't ask me this stuff. You, don't, you know, you don't ask me this stuff in front of these people. I don't know these people like that. You could wait till we got out, you know, away from this. But, but I understand Debbie's position where she wants to be transparent and let them know, okay, we we acknowledge the problem and this, you know, we're working on it. But sis, you know, we talking about, you know, you know, thousands of students, man, who are complaining about living conditions like we're a third world country. We got to do something exactly. about it. Exactly. And, and, and the quick fix and me coming from the property ba- management background is you got to take care of the leaks, uh, the plumbing, and you got to take care of the mold. Once you do that, the cosmetics, that's the stuff, you know, the painting and the plastering. That's, and, that's the easy stuff. But. What they probably try to do and probably what they've done over the years when you guys, you know, like it is when staff, you know, students moved out at the summer. You go in there, you bring your crew in, you do painting and plastering and all that. But the water's still going to penetrate if you haven't resolved the leaks and the plumbing issues and the stoppages. That's what grows the mold. That's what makes people sick. And that's what they got to do. They got to get into those basements and you got to resolve that issue. And then once they do that, and, and, you know, and if you're saying you use the word horrific, it's going to it might be a it might be capital work, but it needs to be done because with these, as we stated, with these these new kids, they will not be uncomfortable. That's not going to happen. Paying the type of money they're paying there and they're not going away. Exactly. When you got social media, you got videos on your phone and all that. It's going to be, you know, next thing you know, they sending it to the Washington Post. This is my room. Look at my leak. I can't breathe, and everybody in their coffin. It's going and to then, be a dis- it's going to be a disaster. Oh, they did it already. No, I'm saying, and and oh. they and they will do that, and they're absolutely 100 percent right to right. do that because oh, yeah, you live there. No, if if you were giving me, if I'm paying for something, I want everything I'm paying for. If you're giving me something for free, well, I really can't say much. I mean, I give like, okay, fine. You take this, and you know that's it. But when you're paying that much money to go to school, and I got out of school in '92. Um, there's no way in the world the price of education jumped that much from 92 to 2021 or 2022, you know, if you look at it. There's no way in the world something is going wrong with the, with all these institutions, quite frankly, as far as the amount of money that kids are paying for the education versus what it's, I guess, is valued at. And in the case of Howard, for so many years, they kind of ignored the dormitory problem because we were talking about the dormitory when we were there. That was, and put it this way, the dormitory was secondary to other issues, and we knew the dormitory was bad. So they just have to sit there and say, you know what? This is going to suck. It's going to cost us a lot of money. Some people are going to you know, have to suck it up and, and, and bite the bullet. But this has to be done. You can't ask and say we're the best and say we're all this 
and then not provide the most basic function is because when you drop off a kid at school, you're saying to the, the parent, I'm going to take care of your kid for four years. I'm going to make sure he's safe. I'll make sure they have a, a, a good education, a good, safe environment, a healthy environment. And if you got mold in the building, that doesn't qualify as a good, safe, healthy environment. Yeah, you know, to, to, to your point about education and, and the cost of the skyrocketing cost, what used to happen um, way back when, certainly when I was in school, was that the federal government had a, a large chunk of change that they allocated for the, the yeah. federal education budget. And over the course of time, over the last, the, the trickle down 80s and, and, and the subsequent, uh, you know, 2000s Reaganomics. and Reaganomics, mm-hmm. they've been cutting that budget consistently. So now the schools themselves have to make up that money. Now you have certain schools, you know, like some of the Ivies, like Harvard, where they have such a huge endowment. You know, if they find somebody really, really bright, they can that kid can damn near go to school for, for almost nothing or pay almost nothing. But most schools, most situations, that's what it is. The money, the, the federal money they used to get is not there. And then and then when it comes to paying for it, even the grant money's not there. When I was in school, up this is funny because I was right there before Reagan, right before Reagan, and Reagan was elected while I was in school. Prior to him, um giving it away. They were giving it away. I mean, I, I you know, I had like a my, my student loans would have been like pocket change by the time I got out of school. When he got in there, all of a sudden, for the first time, now I'm signing paperwork to this bank and paperwork to that bank to pay off these student <laughs> loans uh, because the money had been cut. All of those grant, all of that money had been cut. They didn't value education, and until somebody Joe, uh, until yeah. somebody Kamala. Until somebody, uh, you know, Chuck, y'all better start slapping these people around, man. You know, I see I'd have snatched up Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin lives in a houseboat and drives a Maserati to work. I'd have snatched his ass uh, up. Yeah, to his uh, country club. Yeah, he's he's not the senator from uh, from California. He's not a California. We've all been, well, we know what West Virginia, you know, sorry for our West Virginia listeners, but. Come on! No, they they not listening because they can't they can't get it. They, get, they, they got no internet. That's the whole problem. Um, you know, it's true. I mean, I you know, I this is this is the guy's honest truth. I used to work in at Appalachia. I used to work in West Virginia. I used to, have to do these tours and and, and the final stop in at uh, like you know the tours would be named after the the, uh, the 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 last the weekend place that you stopped. So you did a bunch of one nighters and then you do a weekend somewhere. And the West Virginia tour ended up in uh, Charleston, West Virginia, which is as bad as you might expect. That's the big city, and it is hardcore. You know, you, you ever watch that thing on uh, on ESPN about Randy Moss's hometown? Oh, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, him, that's him most and, uh, of Jason the, Williams, same time. Right. Yeah. That's most of West Virginia. That really is most of West Virginia. It, it is poor as poor can be. And I don't care whether you're in Charleston or if you're on the other side and Morgantown. Morgantown is a college town, so it's slightly better, mm-hmm. but not really. I've it's hard. It's hardcore there. And nine- so for that dude to be driving a Maserati, living, living, in well. a, 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 a living well in a houseboat and going to the country club, you know, and he's got coal money backing him up and his people, his constituents, are living in shacks with with poisoned water from these mines and these wells and all the wells are poisoned because when when people don't realize this when you close a, a coal mine it used to be that the coal mine was supposed was supposed to pay for the cleanup 
And then what they, you know, and it, it was at first it was regulated, then they deregulated it. So then they left it up to the coal mine themselves <laughs> to say, okay, you got to set aside X amount of dollars for cleanup when the mine is closed. But what these coal mine companies would do is say, yeah, we filed for bankruptcy. We ain't got no money to, to, to pay for the cleanup. And they just move on. And they would leave all of the, the, the environment destroyed. So, so the water is polluted. Everything else is polluted. That's why, uh, you know, remember that old horror movie, The Hills Have Eyes? Yeah. yeah, I remember that. That's movie. West Virginia. That's it, man. You know they all. I mean, it's all. <laughs> it's a goddamn horror movie. It's a horror show, and 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 you know the people down there are so you know as backwards they hate the idea of whatever whatever they think a liberal is. I don't know what they think a liberal is, but they're so you know so hateful in terms Maybe of. Maybe they don't have a dictionary, Anthony. That could be it. I mean, it could <laughs> could very well be it. But uh, yeah, West Virginia is rough, man. All of Appalachia, you know, Eastern oh, Kentucky, it's, it's hardcore. Uh, Eastern Tennessee, and, 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 and what you said, uh, App, you know, uh, uh, West Virginia mansion, Kentucky. Who's who's the uh, senator from Kentucky? Mitch McConnell. Yeah, yeah. He got all that goddamn money. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and that's the thing that drives you. You look at these those in particular. It's like how can you be putting uh, policies in place? And say you represent your constituents, but they you are so far removed from them, it's impossible. You, I mean, there's no way in the world. Top five bottom poorest states, West Virginia, Kentucky, and two of the, two of the richest uh, senators come from one damn state. Yeah. There's a the, little disconnect there. I had the honor of visiting uh, West Virginia in 1981. Honor. True story. Yeah. Is the right word there? Yeah. And, and I'll get there. Uh, we had a basketball game. We were playing the University of West Virginia in their basketball tournament. Uh, after the first game, which we won, uh, we decided to go out and get, you know, get something to eat. A couple of guys <laughs> want to get some beers. So we should have known better when we asked one guy and the guy go, well, 7-Eleven got brews. So we said, OK, we go to a bar and I, I, I just turned 18. Sorry, mom. I did it. And. We walked in this bar and everything stopped. And, <laughs> and now, mind you, when you play basketball, you know, catch six, 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 seven, six, eight. When I saw the bitch in their eyes and they were the upperclassmen, <laughs> I knew we wasn't going to get no bruise that night. <laughs> we got, yo, the whole place, it was like, Arr! and just stopped. And we looked and I was like, yeah, you know, and I'm a freshman. Yo, let's get out of here. We're not thirsty no more. Sorry, sorry to bother you. And <laughs> what, real talk, one cat came out and looked, and you talk about somebody high telling it back to the hotel. Oh, we had <laughs> soda pop that night. Yeah, that's for sure, man. <laughs> and I had no desire to visit West Virginia ever since then. And listening to this, nothing has changed. I no, pray for those folks out there. I pray for them big time that their elected officials do a little bit more for them. No, I mean, I actually drove, this is true. Uh, I don't know if I told you, because, you know, I used to go down, when I used to travel through the South, I, you know, my brother used to live in uh, Maryland, so I'd always go down either Maryland, Northern Virginia, and I'd stop, stay overnight, and then I would finish my trip from there. And so uh, one of those trips, I was actually going to West Virginia, so I had to drive down, uh, uh, what is it, the, uh, uh, the Blue Ridge Skyway, Blue, Blue, Blue Ridge Parkway, and then there's a road, there's a state road that takes you through a state forest uh in West, you know, to get to West Virginia. So I'm, it's literally like, you know, cutting through the mountains and I'm in the, you know, you're driving, you're literally driving through the woods on these two lane roads. It's, I guess it would be pretty if I wasn't so damn scared because there's no more radio. There's no more <laughs> nothing. And I swear, you know, it was, you know, it's like, you know, like now we, we move the clocks back and it's, you know, twilight, you know, comes early or whatever. Uh, 
I could swear I saw eyes everywhere in that damn forest, man. <laughs> Both sides, you know. I was free, I was freaked out about as I I was I was legitimately scared. I mean, there's a couple of places I've been where, you know, I pulled over like to go to the, you know, to get gas, and then you go inside and you're like, man, I didn't want to, you know, try to even ask these fools for the bathroom. I'll pull over to the side of the road somewhere before I, I you know, I go in here. I mean, like, especially like, like I said, Appalachia is scary. And I've worked all of Appalachia. I worked in eastern Tennessee. I worked in eastern Kentucky. I worked in uh, a few places in Kentucky and certainly in West Virginia. All of us the same. It's just, and I worked in the Ozarks and, and Arkansas. So I've, mm. I've been out there. I've, I've seen, shout, I've seen the funky parts of America. Shout out to the Ozarks, great show. Yeah, no, the show was great, but the, but, but the reality <laughs> is, 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 is something different, man. That's like so, that movie. What was the movie with uh, Burt Reynolds and them? Deliverance. Yeah, Deliverance. Yeah, Deliverance. Yeah, Deliverance. That's where it took place. It took place in that. And what's it? And go, ooh wee. Or not. They went on a river raft on a, on a white water <laughs> trip yep. in West Virginia. That's where they was. Wow. All right, so you not. And them people still there. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't they get out still, the boat. Don't get out the boat. <laughs> Don't get out the boat. Those people still live. Oh, anyway, moving on. Um, I was watching an interview. Uh, Kanye was doing it. What's this? The, the the drinking podcast. I forget the name of the, the the podcast that he was on. But I, you know, it's actually every now and again I've caught it. It's actually entertaining. And the two hosts. I mean, uh, they you know they come out and everybody does a shot. They do shots and they talk. And Kanye was on. And they, you know, and Kanye's interview. Kanye, you know, I always have mixed emotions with this guy because, you know, sometimes you listen to him and you realize, you know, he really is highly intelligent and he's a really bright dude and he's really, you know, he's got he's got great insights. And then you realize he's also crazy as a as a bag of cats. Yes. The fine line between insane and genius is not that it's, far off. It is. Yeah, no, it's just yeah, it's just the other side of the coin. That's all it is. And and he is he has definitely made that line fit. Um, but during his interview, he mentioned that he wanted to, you know, he said he's not divorced and he wants his wife back. Does Pete Davidson know that? I don't think Pete Davidson is aware <laughs> of that. But for those of you who don't know what's going on, uh, you know, Kim K as uh, one half of Kimye has been out there, you know, in Staten Island, Staten, Alabama. She went to Staten, she actually went to Staten, Alabama, had pizza, and was hanging out with Pete Davidson. Mm. Uh, they've been hanging out and people are trying to, you know, downplay and say, oh, you know, they're just friends and it's just whatever. Okay. You know, uh, I think Pete Davidson is, 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 you know, yeah, doing, doing, doing his best Ray J impression. Uh, <laughs> Right now, so Kanye's, you know, he's kind of, you know. So he wants his wife back. Uh, yeah. What is he doing trying to get her back? I don't know. Going on interviews? Going on podcasts, exactly. Mm-hmm. He don't know. Uh, let me know how that works out. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I think, you know, I hope Pete Davis's career is all right. That's all I'm going to say, you know, because, I, I, you know, I like Pete Davidson. I don't know him, but I, I like him. Uh, I like his his take on the world and his approach to the world. His approach to the world is is what I'm a fan of, and we all know that when you mess with a Kardashian, oh um, boy, 
<laughs> most co- most careers are not bulletproof. Yeah, some people know. can't get back on the court when you mess with a Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, some, you know, some people ruin their some careers. Some people give up, throw, uh, give up passes over a dunk over a five foot ten point guard when you mess with a Kardashian. That's what happens. Yeah, and they talk about know. they got some type of mental issues. You know, that they got to deal with. Yeah, when you mess with Kardashian, those things happen to some people. I, I don't know how. I, I don't know who these people are, but sometimes I, that's right here. Sometimes those things happen to certain. No, it does. So sometimes you find yourself in a whorehouse after you know being on you know Drake. Sometimes you have operations that you never thought you were gonna have exactly. when you mess with a Kardashian. <laughs> you, want to be a woman. you want to be a woman and stuff. It's crazy. It's, it's so, not good. It's not good. Uh, and the latest Kardashian curse. I don't know if we can do that. I don't. I mean, yeah, we can do that. I, I, I gotta know. say it, man. Uh, I gotta say it. I mean, this is this is crazy. Travis uh, Scott damn. is under fire. Uh, Travis Scott is uh, which which Kardashians? Uh, uh-huh. um, the billionaire. I think she's Jenny, a uh, Jenna. Jenna. Uh, the, she's the Jenner, yeah, the the the, the, the Jenner girl. Yeah, she's, a, uh, she's Kylie, a billionaire. Kylie Jenner, right? Yeah, Whatever Kylie. Whatever, whoever's the billionaire with that makeup, that's that's his woman. Yeah, that's the one. So Travis, uh, you know, Scott is a is a Houston-born rapper, and they were having a concert at uh, I guess they call it Astro World. They were down there, and it was yeah. a big time show, and the crowd got a little uh, anxious. I don't know. Un- anxious, unruly, and they started, something was going on, and it caused a bit of a panic, and sadly, eight people, eight people lost their lives at this concert, and uh, in addition to that, many more were injured. I think some people are partially paralyzed as a function of it, and, um, you know, he's under, under pressure, under heat, because there's a thought that when you're on the stage, you're supposed to be the one that kind of smooths that out and calms it down. If you've ever watched the James Brown documentary, you know, that thing happened, uh, you know, James Brown actually stopped his show, Hardest Working Man in Show Business, stopped his show to straighten out uh, his audience for for a while and out. Um, And there's uh, a viral video uh, that was taken of Adele a few years back where a person in her audience fainted and she literally shut down the show, stopped the show, and yelled at the paramedics for not getting there fast enough to take care of this person and handle it. And she did not go back to singing until uh, she knew the person was safe. She stood on the stage. She guided the uh, paramedics in the direction of where this person mm. was and made sure that they got there and then got the person out and, and squared away. And once she knew the person was squared away, then she went back to singing, rolling with the deep, which is what it's a huge hit. She was singing a huge hit. When she noticed it happened and she told the band to stop the music, stop the music, turn the lights on, let me find this, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, in my own personal experience, I've been at a show in Soldier Field where, the, you know, middle of the summer, summertime in Chicago, <laughs> cats got a little unruly and there was a something happened or somebody said something or whatever. And for a brief second, there was a panic and people started rushing towards the stage to try to get out of the, uh, uh, the uh, stadium. Um, and you know, I had a backstage pass, so as soon as I saw that happening, I'm you know, I ran right to the gate, flashed it to my boot, and I was like, <laughs> I was through. I said, I will not be trampled out here. Um, you know, I can't, I can't speak for everybody else, but I ain't gonna be trampled. Um, so I'm just saying that that those shows you do have when you see something happening from the stage, and you can see, especially when there's turmoil or, or there's, there's something going on, you can see what's going on, and, and I guess. Yeah, uh, we'll side thing to that real quick. We're talking about this today at work, and one of the people I was talking to was like a huge Jackson fan. She was saying that 
she can understand both sides because she said, you know, a lot of times at the, at the Michael Jackson concerts, people would just fall out and have issues and he would just keep going himself. He, would, he wouldn't stop the concert because you don't know sometimes it's not as apparent to you as people would think it is. Because the clip I saw of Travis, he did stop a couple of times and say, listen, hey, you know, such and such, such and such. But I guess it's really dicey to say he kind of ignored it as people are kind of saying he did, because I, right. I, I guess, you know, you don't know if somebody's just passing out or having, or I don't know. It's a, it's a slippery side. I've never been on stage like that. So I, I mean, I, I'm just going by what people are saying. I just think it's. No, it's it's what's true is that you really can't see, but yeah. so far, but you do have a sense, uh, especially Probably. when you, when you're talking about a packed crowd and, and think about a wave. You know, think about, you know, think about like a like a, a flock of birds, you know, which is what that audience is in a large arena or a large outdoor space. When that crowd, when they start to, when they go from just, you know, swaying back and forth or raising their hands or, you know, you know, uh, flicking their lighters to, you know, sudden dashing movements left and right, then you know something's going on. You want to know what's going on. Hey, you know, what's, you know, yeah, yeah. what's, what's happening out know, there? They were like a herd of cattle, like right. um, bunched together. There's not a lot of space, and everybody's on top of one another. And they were saying that uh, people were getting stuck with needles that had yeah, some yeah, type yeah. of drug Compass in them. Stuff. Stuff. They had to get Narcan and get, up, get it right. They had you know they had to do things like that. So you got a crowd like that that's dark, like like you guys are saying, everybody is together. There's no room to move, and people are passed out. And I understand you being on stage. You'll see what's in the front, but you're not seeing what's really going on in the back because you know Damn. you have the lights and everything at you. But he still performed like I think uh, forty minutes into the yeah. still going on after all this was going on. Damn Kardashians, you know? man! <laughs> yeah, I'm, just know. Saying, I'm not saying. I'm just she, saying. I'm just saying. but it's the same bloodline. Now, one thing he's going to do though, um, they said on the news, he's going to be paying for the uh, the medical expenses. He's going to refund uh, the money to the folks who attended the concert. He stated, and he's also going to be taking oh, care of the, okay. the funeral. Yeah, he's going to take care of the funeral arrangements. Wow. For the eight folks good. that, yeah, yeah, he has to. I mean, because, you know, when I, I watched it on the news and I saw, like, the, to me, the gate was really flimsy, that was the security gate <laughs> yeah. that they just ran over. And, I, and then you look at the security guards, I'm like, there's no way they could have <laughs> held those people back. And I don't know right. if you guys remember, man, this has got to be over 20 years ago where there was a big concert up in City College, man. Yeah, um, Puffy. Puffy. Yeah, exactly. Puffy, yeah. And when you see the door and these people want to get in, it's going to happen. And that's the dangerous part of it. And I don't know if, you know, how do you ever stop it when, okay, you you, you got your ticket, you paid to get there, you want to see your performer, your performance, you know, and you hold, and you got two or three guys there and you got a hundred people behind you pushing and you go right in there. The next thing you know, people lost their lives, man. So it's, it's scary, man. I, I, I pray for those families. No, I mean, it is a scary, like I said, I mean, I was in that situation. Yeah. I was in that situation where they started. Uh, who was on stage at the time? I don't know who was on the stage. Probably uh, had to be Rick. No, no, it wasn't because I, I stood on stage to watch Rick. <laughs> I was actually on <laughs> I had to see it up close. So I was on stage. So I ever tell you the story about Rick. No, oh, we never heard the story about Rick. Oh, I didn't even know you was there with Rick. Cold blooded, tell us. Yeah, you know. So, all right. So, so you know, when I, when I first saw Charlie Murphy, and I, we were going to talk about other stuff, but when I first saw Charlie Murphy um, do the the truth, you know, uh, Hollywood, you know, Charlie Murphy's Hollywood, true Hollywood stories, and he talked about Rick James. All I could do was nod my head. 
you know, and I, I was amazed because I'm saying, yes, I, I could co-sign everything. He said, I saw it up close and personal. Uh, we did this show called The Budweiser Superfest in Chicago. And any, any act that was huge, uh, was 1980, any act that was Sheik, big was there. GQ, it was Chic, uh, GQ, Ashford Simpson. It was Teddy Pendergrass, the wow. OJs, wow. Two Tons of Fun, SOS Band. Um, who else was there? Uh, and a, a couple other people. I'm, I'm forgetting people. That's how big the show was. So, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I watched that. You know, I wanted to go. I went out in the audience. You know, I was, you know, who it was? It was Teddy. That's why, because I went out the audience and watched Teddy because I knew the girls might be, you know, throwing their clothes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Rick James, I was on the stage. Now I was on the stage for his sound check. You know, we, I, you know, cause we got there like it was early. You know, it was an all day festival, so we got there early. You know, so he comes in with the sound check and. Uh, his band, you know, his 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 uh, group, the, Stone, the roadies, Stone, City, Stone band. City band, right? Stone City band, the 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 guys, the the, the roadies have been traveling all night because they were somewhere else and they had to travel all night to get to Chicago, and so you know they had literally just just rolled in, just unloaded the trucks uh, before Rick comes up, and Rick comes up and like Charlie Murphy said, he got the boots on, the funky boots, and you know, braids <laughs> hanging down, and leather. You know, looking all wild. You know, it was hot out there. He's wearing leather, and this this is Chicago in the summertime. It's hot as blazes. But he got the leather on. He comes on stage, and you know, they start uh, they do their sound check. So you know, he starts playing uh, you know, uh, you know, you and I. It's like dun, 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 you know, you know that that guitar lick and right. dun, dun, dun. it sounded great to me. And all of a sudden, Rick says, "Stop the music." It sounds like shit. <laughs> and, uh, and so. Uh, and I was like, "Wow, really?" And I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I, I, I kid you not, I'm, I'm less than 15 feet from him, so I'm standing there watching this, and uh, you know, the, 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 the guy that's, uh, you know, said, "Who tuned this guitar?" And one of the roadies said, "Well, I did, Rick. I, you know, I, that was me." I said, "You know, we just got here. He says, trust me, uh, I'll have it all squared away for you uh, by the time you know you go on stage." He said, "Fuck that." You're fired, bitch. <laughs> I was, so I sat there. I was like, holy smoke. That's cold. I, I, that's what I thought in my cold mind. Bloody, that's cold bloody, right? <laughs> You're fired, bitch. You just fired him. I was like, wow. So then the, the road manager said, hey, Rick, man, you know, guys drove all night to get here. We, we literally just, they, you know, they just opened the gate so the trucks could come in. We just got on the stage like five minutes ago. You know, he'll, he'll have it squared away. Don't worry about it. Rick said, so you defended him? You fired two, bitch. You fired him. Fired the road manager. I said, wow. I said, look at Rick go. So naturally, when he came on stage, you know, I was I was in the backstage area. I, you know, as soon as I knew he was coming up, I, you know, I went right on the stage again. You know, I was on the stage to watch him. And, uh, you know, it was, it was he, I, I, I can't lie. It was like one of the baddest shows I've ever seen. Rick came out there with you and I. He opened up with that. Dum, 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 bam. And the Stone City band was rocking. And the girls like, doop, doop, doop. And it was killer. And the audience went crazy. And I was like, yo, Rick is a bad dude. <laughs> then Rick said, does anybody have a joint? <laughs> this, this is Chicago in the summer. Oh. Everybody had a joint. <laughs> so the audience said, yeah, you know, you can hear all, you know, the Soldier Field. Like I said, it's a packed football stadium. Soldier Field from all over. They, you can hear, yeah, we got a joint, Rick. You want a joint, Rick? Rick said, somebody throw me a joint. Remember that scene from the 300 when they shot them arrows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, it, and it blacked out the sun? Yeah. That's what those joints did. <laughs> 
I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm standing on stage, and I saw nothing but like a hail of joints that, that just kind of flew over in an arc. Oh my! And God. blocked out the sun, the lights from the side. I couldn't see nothing but joints coming at us, and they landed on the stage. And anybody knows about stages? All stages are painted black, right, Mark? They paint them yeah, all yeah, black yeah, yeah. so they can mark them up with tape. Yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. So now the stage is no longer black. It's white. <laughs> it's, it, it's covered. I'm not lying. Wow. It was covered in joints. So Rick stuck his big hands down and he scooped up a handful of joints. I mean, a big giant handful. He pulled out a lighter and lit them. And it looked like a giant, looked like the, the, the flame <laughs> that they start the Olympics with. It looked like the, the eternal flame. He lit the joints. He took a big drag. He blew out the smoke. I said, holy smoke, they had just elected a pope. I couldn't believe the size of the smoke <laughs> that came out of his mouth. Oh, God. And then they started playing Mary Jane's. Like, I was like, wow. I was, I was done. That was uh, the best show I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of concerts, but that, I, I'm not going to lie. That's like one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Rick wow. James is a bad, bad man. <laughs> Folks, if y'all have not subscribed to Power to the People, make sure you do. You can get us anywhere you get your podcast. Anywhere you get them. I know where you get them. I guess anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find us. Just type in Power to the People. You can also find us uh, by asking Alexa to play Power to the People. Or you can find us on Pandora. When you're traveling, you want to listen to something uh, in the car, you can play us on Pandora and listen to Power to the People. You can also find us on social media, like on Facebook at Power to the People on Facebook. You can actually reach out and talk to us there. Or you can find us on Twitter. Twitter. Can I say Twitter? Twitter at Power to the Peeps. I'm still suspended. I'm permanently. I am permanently suspended. Power to the Peeps on Twitter. P-O-W-E-L-L, the number two, the letters D-A-P-E-E-P-S. Twitter can kiss my ass. Power to the Peeps on Twitter. (laughs) Um, And you can find us all on Instagram. We will see you all next week. Peace. 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 <laughs>